It's good to be with all you folks that are here in person, and especially those who are watching online. For our friends in uh, Rwanda, I will be with you next week this time. So uh, something maybe to look forward to. I don't know. Definitely something for you guys to look forward to, me not being here. But uh, hey, this begins the, the season, the church season of Advent. And Advent means coming coming. And so this is a season of preparation where we prepare to celebrate the first coming of Jesus as a little baby, and then we also prepare for his second coming. Now, as, as the Hollies shared with us, today marks this, this um, day of hope and expectation. Hope and expectation. Now, the hope and expectation that they were speaking of is a different kind of hope and expectation that the world really knows. If you think about hope and expectation from a worldly sense, it's typically more like a wishing, isn't it? Like we hope for something, we wish something would happen. Well, we all know that, that usually those hopes, those expectations don't come to pass like we had hoped or expected. For instance, maybe, maybe you hoped for this promotion or, or for this job or, or to make this team or to get into this college and it didn't happen. Or maybe you hoped and you expected that this relationship would work out, and it didn't. Or maybe you've hoped and expected that a loved one would be healed, and they weren't. See, worldly hopes and expectations typically let us down and leave us wanting. And we see this, we experience this all very personally. And it happens a lot with regard to relationships and people, doesn't it? If, if you look at the, the source of conflict in your relationships, typically you're going to find that the reason you have these conflicts is because of unmet or unrealized hopes and expectations. Think about it. It happens all the time. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. And as I was thinking about this, particularly from... Um, a relational aspect, uh, I started thinking about my own relationship with Carolyn. And then uh, i, I just give you a little background. So we started dating at the end of my sophomore year of college and the end of her junior year of college. So we were at JMU and, um, you know, just sort of that place of paradise, right, that everybody longs to be. You hope and you expect to get there, but not many of us get there. So uh, anyhow, <laughs> but we were there, like our hopes and expectations were being realized at that time. And and, um, you know, the first year of dating really went pretty well, I, I think. Um, it exceeded my hopes and, and expectations. But then there was the second year. All right, and, and the second year, she had graduated and she had moved to Northern Virginia and was teaching first grade up there. And I still had my senior year to go on Harrisonburg. And so I was there and, and I missed her just desperately. I, I couldn't wait for the weekends where we would get together and we could spend time with one another. And I had a lot of hopes and expectations for those times of us coming back together. Have you guys ever been there? Have you ever had a long distance relationship and, and you're just hoping, expecting everything to work out perfectly? Well, it seldom does, right? And, and so I remember um, distinctly this, this one occasion and she was gonna come back to JMU that weekend and we were gonna have this great time together. 
And uh, I remember she was arriving Friday night, and I lived in a fraternity house. So uh, I was upstairs in, in one of the guys' rooms, and we were playing a game and enjoying some adult beverages at the, the moment. And then Carolyn arrived, and, and she came walking in, and just my heart leapt. And then she joined me on the couch. And uh, I, I forget exactly what the game was, but it, it involved some questions. And um, some of you guys may, this is going to be a shocker to a lot of you guys, but I've been known to be a little bit of a smart aleck, and my mouth has gotten me into trouble a time or two, and uh, this happened to be one of those occasions. And so this question was posed to me, and immediately what came to mind was an inappropriate response, and Carolyn knew exactly what I was thinking, and she looked at me very sternly. And she said, don't say it. <laughs> and then I got this smirk on my face. And she looked at me again. She said, I'm not kidding. If, if you say it, I'm getting in my car and I'm driving home. I couldn't resist the temptation. <laughs> and so guess what? I said the very thing she thought I was going to say. And, and with that, like my buddies all started laughing but Carolyn did not. And she, being a woman of her word, she got up and she went downstairs and she got in her car and, and I began to plead with her and, and turn on what I thought was my irresistible charm. And uh, it failed me. And she drove home to Northern Virginia. I felt like such an idiot. I mean, all these hopes and expectations I had for this wonderful weekend together that I, I cherished were dashed. Now, hopefully you guys aren't as foolish as me. Maybe you, you guard your tongue a little better than me. Hopefully the things that just pop in your mind don't come out your mouth, right? You've used that filter God gave you. But I would imagine, and, and I know for sure, that all of us have dealt with unfulfilled hopes and expectations from a worldly point of view. And so um, I want us to look at that because really... God has something else in mind. When he promises something, we can hope and expect that it will come to pass. Because the hope and expectation that is from God is different than the hope and expectation that is from the world. So I want us to look at Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 5, uh, a little more deeply this morning. So here's how it begins. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more, no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new, everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now, in case you don't know, this, this book of Revelation, as we recall and, and refer to it, was written by John. And John was one of the disciples of Jesus 
And he was a passionate follower of Jesus. And he loved telling people just about the, the power of faith in him and, and just the life that Jesus offers, so much so that he was starting churches wherever he would go. And um, because of this new movement, which was known as Christianity, um, the Roman authorities, the Roman government felt threatened by John. And so they had him exiled to an island called Patmos, which is right off the, the coast of Greece. Now, God did an amazing thing while John was there on this island. And God came to him in a vision, and he gave him these visions of the future, and he spoke to him in an audible voice. And he began to reveal these promises, these hopes and expectations, not just for John, but for all of us. Now, here's what he revealed. In, in verses 1 and 2, which we didn't talk about, he talked about um, like a new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. And then in verse 3, he, he talks about how we're going to have this, this new um, restored, redeemed relationship with God that um, just like back in the, the earliest of times, back in the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve were walking um, with God in the garden before there was any sin, God is saying right here, he was revealing to John, revealing to us that he is going to create this new or recreate this relationship which had been lost. That in essence, Jesus is going to come and he's going to move into the neighborhood and he's going to restore all things, redeem all things, reconcile all things. And that um, because of this new um, intimate relationship that God is going to be our God. And we are going to be his people. And that's what he reveals in, in verse 3. And then um, from there, it, it just keeps getting better. Can you try and imagine, if you will? So we're talking about a new heaven, new earth. It, it's redeemed. Imagine Jesus moving into your neighborhood. Can you imagine that? Like Jesus moves into your neighborhood. And he doesn't just live down the street, but you're interacting with him throughout the day. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's the hope. That's the expectation that God is offering the followers of Jesus, that Jesus is going to move into our neighborhood, and we're going to have this redeemed, this renewed relationship with God. He's going to be our God. We're going to be his people. And then it goes on um, in verse 4, and, and he says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be more, no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So try and imagine this, that, that Jesus is wiping away every tear, every tear that you've ever shed because of past hurts, of broken hopes, and expectations. He's wiping away every one of those tears. Imagine, if you will, a life where death is no more. There is no more death. Imagine, if you will, that there's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. Imagine, if you will, a new beginning a fresh start where you are no longer haunted by or defined by your past failures. Imagine that those past failures, maybe some of those careless words that, 
that I've spoken, maybe that you've spoken, some of those actions that you've taken, they're not only forgiven, but they're forgotten. Imagine that none of those things are held against you anymore. You have a fresh start, a new beginning. Imagine um, that the pain of the wrongs that have, have been committed against you are healed. And, and they're not even a thing that you ponder anymore. Imagine this new beginning. Jesus wipes away your tears. There's no more death, no more mourning. There's no more crying, no more pain. He's making everything new. Because that's what he says in verse, verse 5 here. He says, he who was seated on, on the throne said, I'm making everything new. I'm making everything new. The entire earth is going to be made new. The heavens, the atmosphere, it's going to be made new. There's, there's not going to be any more pollution. It's all going to be made new. Climate change, don't worry about it. It's a thing of the past. Deforestation, taken care of. It's all going to be made new. Um, animals going extinct, no longer. Uh, although um, I, I do hope there are no more mosquitoes and, and no more bed bugs, right? Like some things need to go away. Like he's making everything new. I believe it's going to be this place of perfection. He's making everything new. That's the promise. That's our hope. That's our expectation that's given. And so here's the thing. As, as God is revealing this to John, so he, he's getting this vision. He's hearing these audible words from God. I have this, this sense that John is just sitting there like this. Like his, his eyes are, are just big and wide and his mouth is, is open. He's like, ah. Oh. As he sees this all unfolding, the new heavens and the new earth. As he gets a sense of Jesus moving into the neighborhood of this perfect relationship with him. And he's just like, ah, oh, there's no more death. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. And I have this sense John is seeing all this and hearing all this, and he's just like, because the next part of verse 5 reveals like, like God comes and shakes him, I think. He's like, John, John, write this down. Write this down, John, because my words, my words are trustworthy and true. And, and I think God shook him, and, and John's like, oh, and he comes back into the moment, and, and he grabs his quill, he grabs his parchment, and he starts writing it down, and, and God's like looking over his shoulder, and he's like, yep, 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 oh, don't forget this. You know, and, and, and he's got, and he's like, perfect, perfect, John. See, I, I want you to write this down because people are going to need this. Because here's, here's the reality that, that those of us who live between this first advent or coming of Jesus and the second advent or coming of Jesus are going to live difficult lives. There's going to be suffering. God promised that there would be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's going to be death. There's going to be mourning. And there's going to be a lot of tears that are shed. That's the world that we live in because there is still evil in this world. And I think part of the reason that, that God wanted John to write this down is to encourage us, to give us hope and expectation of the future to come so that we can endure the present. 
Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer. And you should suffer. You should expect to suffer for your faith. That even though you're out there and you have the best of intentions and you want the best for people, you want them to come to know Jesus, to become followers of Jesus, to experience this intimacy with him. Because that's something we can begin to experience right now through the indwelling of his spirit. Even though you're doing that, you're going to be persecuted. You will suffer because of your faith. And God wants you to be encouraged. He he wants you to have have a vision of the future to come so that you can endure the present hurts. I think that's why he had John write this down, why it was so important to him. He wants us to be a people of hope because our hope is not just a wish for a better future. See, this hope and expectation that God gives us, it's sure and certain It's sure and certain. We are to be a people of hope. And he reveals to us that our hope, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in a political party. Our hope is not in the economy. Our hope is not in NATO or the United Nations to bring peace on earth. That is not where our hope is. Our hope it is not in an institution or even a religion. Our hope is in a person. Our hope is in God. One God revealed to us in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who will live and dwell within you when you commit your life to following Jesus. That's where our hope is. It's sure and certain We can count on it. We don't have to wish for it. We know it because God's word that he has revealed to us through people like John is trustworthy and it's true. It's trustworthy and it's true. And so um, when when God says that uh, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, we can trust it. When he says that, that... This intimate relationship with him is going to be restored like it was in the very beginning before sin ever entered the world. We can trust it. When he says Jesus is moving into the neighborhood, we can trust it. When he says there's not going to be any more death, we can trust it. When he says there's no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, we can trust it. And when he says he's going to make everything everything new, we can trust it because he is trustworthy. You know, God cannot lie because lying is evil and evil is not part of his nature. We can trust what he says. He is trustworthy and he is true. He is going to renew all things. And here's another reason why I know this is true because he is making me new. And I hope that he's making you new as well. Like he's renewing me. He's changing me from the inside out. His Holy Spirit has come to live within me. And and he's he's doing some some really cool stuff in in me. And and he's using his word, God's revealed will for us, which, which we call the Bible. And he's using that to change me, to renew me. And I hope he's doing the same for you. Like I look at my life and and it's different than it was when we first started dating way back in college. 
I'm a different person. I'm not a perfect person, as anybody that knows me very well knows that. But uh, I, I'm, I'm a new person. God's doing a new thing in me. And for instance, like I don't, I used to be a really bad warrior, and I always worried about the future. I don't worry about the future like I used to. You know why? I've read Revelation. I've read Revelation, and I know how it all ends. So when people are getting all worked up about the climate, all worked up about, you know, prepping and things of that nature, I'm not worried about that. Like, I know how it ends, and we're going to suffer, but I know in the very end, everything's going to be renewed. Everything's going to be renewed, and, and because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to be just fine. And, and it's changed my purpose in life. Instead of just living for myself, now I honestly have a desire to live for the sake of others. I, I really want every man, woman, and child in the valley and around the world to come, to have the ability to see, hear, and, and to respond to the good news, this gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that drives me. That motivates me. And I know that that is not from me. It's because God is doing a new thing in me and hopefully through me. And I hope the same is true for you. Like, I believe this is a tangible way that God reveals that he is trustworthy because he is true, that he is going to bring about a new thing. And we don't just have to wait for the second coming of Jesus because he's doing a new thing now. He's doing a new thing in us, and he's doing a new thing through us. I hope you know that. I hope that is a reality, that it is a sure and certain truth for you. And if it's not, then just tell God, God, I want that to be a reality for me. Like, I want that kind of assurance, that certainty. I, I don't want to hope and to expect things like the world does, because that's just a big wish. No, I want to know. I want it to be trustworthy and true because it comes from you. Can you do a new thing in me? Will you do a new thing in me? That's the hope, and that's the expectation. God is trustworthy because he is true. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. <clears throat> I thank you for revealing all this to John and that you shook him and, and you had him write it down. Because where would we be without this hope, without these promises of the future, uh, without this, this sure and certain hope and expectation that, that things are going to be better, they're going to be perfect in the end for those who are committed followers of Jesus. And so we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would do a new thing in us, that you would fill us with hope, fill us with expectation, help us to live with a future in mind. Help us to have a heart for others, to invite them into the same hope, these same expectations that you have given us. We thank you for this calling. We thank you for this new purpose and this new work you're doing in us and through us. We praise you and thank you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.